Hello, and welcome to Teaching Plus, a podcast that explores issues and strategies of interest to post-secondary instructors for the enhancement of teaching. Hello, Teaching Plus listeners. I'm Anita Parker, Educational Developer with the Center for Teaching and Learning. Today, I'm speaking with Mark Hall, who is the Associate Chair of the Department of Physical Therapy in the Faculty of Rehabilitation Medicine, and Jackie Chow, who is an Associate Teaching Professor with the Department of Physical Therapy and is also the program coordinator of the Masters of Science program in physical therapy at the Calgary campus. Today, we're gonna to talk to Mark and Jackie about the distributed education model of the MSCPT program that brings together students in Edmonton and Calgary to the same virtual place at the same time. In other words, a type of hybrid teaching similar to what many U of A instructors have found themselves in over the past academic year. Let's find out from Mark and Jackie some tried and true strategies and lessons learned about how to bring remote and in-person students together synchronously. Hello, Mark and Jackie, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Anita. Thanks for inviting us. Please introduce yourself and your connection to the University of Alberta. Sure. So, uh, as you said, I'm uh, Mark Hall. I'm an associate teaching professor in the Department of Physical Therapy. I am also the associate chair and the program director for the MSCPT program. Yes, so my name is Jackie Chow. I'm an associate teaching professor with the Department of Physical Therapy, and I'm also the coordinator of our Calgary site here in in uh, in Calgary. Uh, and uh, I've always been based in Calgary, so I've been working for the department since uh, 2011, since this uh, satellite program started, um, with our first cohort start, starting in uh, 2012. So 10 years, 10 years you've you've brought the Edmonton campus and the Calgary campus together in the program. Yeah, so this whole online thing is it's definitely not new to us. So we've been doing it for a while now. Tell me about the MSCPT program in general, and then perhaps hone in on uh, specifically on its distributed education model. Mark, we'll start this one with you. Sure. So uh, the MSCPT program is a graduate program, obviously, but it's an entry level master's degree. So. Uh, not like a student uh, with an undergraduate degree in physics who then does a master's degree in physics. Our students come from uh, diverse backgrounds, a lot of kinesiology students, uh, and we are an entry to practice master's degree of 28 months uh, that uh, admits 110 students every year. It's pretty competitive. We have 84 students in Edmonton each year and uh, 24 in Calgary. So over, over the course of the 28 months or the two years, we, we'd have, uh, as Jackie said, around 48 students in, in, uh, in Calgary. Um, it is structured as a, as a program of study. It's a lockstep uh, cohort model where students are admitted together and they all have specific courses that they have to complete over those 28 months in order to, to graduate as a, as a physical therapist. We use live video conferencing for, for a lot of our classes. So pre-pandemic, we would have beamed everything to Calgary, lectures, seminars, and labs. And we had two instructors at each satellite campus, one for each cohort year, who would then be the primary lab facilitators for, for the students in first and second years. We have these large TVs 
in the in the teaching classes and labs that um, you know show everybody what's going on in Edmonton, but also show the students in Edmonton what's what's going on in Calgary. And um, it uh, it runs seamlessly live, uh, and uh, we students are you know they have the opportunity to participate in in class discussions. They get to ask questions of the instructor in any campus, depending on who's teaching. Perfect. Thank you. Um, Jackie, I'll ask if you want to add anything onto that, but I think it's going to lead into the next question, which you can take the lead on as well, about the finer details of the distributed education models, such as the day-to-day the -day experience of the instructors and the students, and mostly in a, in a pre-pandemic or a non-pandemic context, because I'm going to ask you about the pandemic shortly. Right, for sure. Yeah. So from a student perspective, I really one of our goals as staff here at the satellite is really to create the equivalent experience that they would get in Edmonton. That's really important to us because we will, we don't want them to feel they're getting either, you know, an inferior education or or even superior. We want it fair across the board. And that's really kind of how I would describe my job in a lot of ways. Um, so for the student experience, as far as learning, very, very similar, whether you're in Edmonton or Calgary, like Mark said, even if you are based in Edmonton, you're going to be learning partly through screens, through uh, an instructor that's not there in in the same city as you. Um, but I think one of the neat things about Calgary um, is that it is a smaller group. We have 24 students compared to the 80 or so in Edmonton. So because having that small group, they get to know each other very well. I get to know the students. So they, they, they really develop some some good relationships in that small group. And, and you know, especially for certain students that might feel maybe less comfortable in a larger group, there is that extra benefit of having that smaller cohort around you. And actually, one thing I'll actually add, I'll kind of relate it to what Mark was talking about with the, you know, with the cameras and the TVs and everything in in Edmonton and how, you know, we are a very hands-on profession, but we also want to really see those demos. And in order for us to see it in Edmonton, we have cameras kind of placed uh, throughout the, the lab, the main lab there in Edmonton. So we can switch camera views, zoom in, move the cameras around. And the neat thing is, is that uh, with those with those camera views, we also project those to Edmonton. So oftentimes, even if you're in Edmonton, you get a better view by looking at the at the what's on the screen versus actually trying to look on the stage and see what's going on up there. So it's one of those interesting, like, uh, nice benefits that we got uh, just from having the satellite site. So it sounds like your technology is a little beyond just a simple Zoom call that you have multiple devices to provide multiple camera angles and it sounds more like a live streaming kind of experience than, than just some black boxes on screen with sharing screens. Yeah, it is, it is a little bit different. There's a little more to it. So we, we use a system called Life Size, and you got to think this, we've been doing this for over 10 years, but even 10 years ago, we have multiple cameras you can switch around, move the cameras around. It's a very high definition, so it's much clearer than you would get through Zoom. Like, I think Zoom has been an amazing tool, and, we, and I think we're going to continue to use it. But just if you compare it to what the quality you would get with, with Life Size, there is still a really big difference there. Uh, Mark, the distributed education model has been in place for over a, over a decade. But then the pandemic hit, and I, I imagine um, now you didn't have two classrooms of students that you were trying to bring together. You now had students in their homes with just their laptops. How did what changed? How did the program change to um, adapt to pandemic circumstances? How did we change? We uh, it it was quite a. Uh, substantive change for us, I think. Right, we um, we had heard that week that you know we may we may need to go online. We should be prepared. And then Friday we were told you're going to be online on Monday, 
And uh, so there was a scramble that weekend to, to figure out what, what, as you said, like a very tactile and physical profession, uh, physical labs, how do we do that remotely? As I'm sure many other instructors in universities across the world were trying to grapple with. Um, and so we, we do have this experience of this, you know, using technology uh, and now we had to figure out how to do that on a on a larger and a smaller scale uh, using the platforms that were available. I don't think we had Zoom at the very beginning. We were using Adobe Connect and and some of these other uh, platforms that I think were a little bit more clunky. Um, but we had to we had to go online. Uh, a few of us were already doing sort of blended learning. I had uh, done that in my class where lecture content would have been recorded and, and the in-person time that we did spend with students was spent applying that knowledge and active learning strategies. Um, so we, we had some experience with that, but thinking about how to teach clinical skills to students uh, on on Zoom, essentially, or using videos was challenging. We had a, a repository of video skills already that wasn't comprehensive, um, but now we had to beef that up substantially for the final uh, month of of the term. So, recording more more videos and uh, recording lectures. Uh, some some of our lectures were live streamed. Uh, our seminars were were live um so so that was you know a huge change and a massive undertaking for our faculty members and and teaching faculty to to do that you know over the weekend in the evenings in addition to trying to i don't know look after their kids make sure that they can get to to where they need to be or or help them with online learning um so it, it was a massive undertaking but i think our experience with this distributed model and the, the comfort with technology um, really enabled us to do this reasonably well, actually, in those in those first few weeks, uh, we, we were able to, you know, shift to this this brand new environment and and figure out ways amongst each other like uh, we, we one of the fortunate things for uh, us is having people like Jackie and Gabriella in, in Calgary who are in multiple classes and see how different instructors do things. And we all, because we are a program, we have a lot of teaching meetings and, and coordinating meetings. And so we share a lot about how we are doing things. And if we tried new assessment types or technologies, then we would share that with one another. So I think that really helped us having that little community of of instructors and and, uh, and professors get together and talk about how we can make this work in the coming weeks. Um, we had also used online exam platforms already, so we were pretty comfortable with that. We haven't had a paper and pencil exam in our program for more than 10 years. So those sorts of things were already set up for us that we didn't have to transition to um, to online assessments and things. Um, but then figuring out how, how to assess practical skills online or through Zoom. Also, when you, you don't have anybody to practice with, right? I think that was a big struggle for our students was 
we were in an environment where you weren't allowed to go to somebody else's house to practice. So unless you lived with somebody, you weren't able to practice some of these clinical skills. And so then how do you demonstrate these skills on on somebody else? We would have to the students would talk us through some of those. And so we had to change up our assessments use more uh, case-based assessments that would allow for clinical reasoning and then to talk through what sort of clinical skills or assessments they would do. Uh, and then we saved, uh, we came back in August of, um, of that year to do like a skill check as part of that, those course completions so that this, we could, you know, double check that the students knew what they were doing with those skills, that they hadn't had any of that really important tactile feedback uh, during the lab. So that was a that was a big, big change for us. And then um, coming into September of 2020, we had exemptions um, approved for in-person labs. Uh, all of our other content was was still done online, lecture and, and seminar, but in-person labs. And that, as you know, for, for us is a very big component of our program. And so we, we were able to, to come back into the labs um for 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 the lab skills but then the students were sort of sent home they came in through the back door they never saw the inside of the building uh they weren't allowed to gather or or chit chat in the hallways um we we used our our zoom for for lectures and seminars and and what we we realized there is that as most of us felt zoom fatigue is real and so for students having uh you know, live lectures through Zoom all day was exhausting for them as it would be for us. And so we tried to save those live Zoom sessions for seminar type activities or, or classes where there's a lot of discussion and really um, emphasize the use of recorded lectures with our faculty for didactic content uh, that enabled students to, uh, you know, set their own schedule, which meant that they had to be on top of things and and have a good structure to to keep on top of the um material it it enables them to learn at their own pace and at a time that suits them which i think uh, is definitely something that we we realized is a positive but they needed the discipline to say i'm going to work from eight to ten in the morning on this content and not wait until you know the day before to try and cram through eight hours of lecture in two hours uh, because they didn't make a plan ahead of time so you were so well positioned with the technology, like you said, you were already doing some blended learning. So there was some some independence there. They already knew each other quite well. Uh, so you were in such a good position, yet you still had all the very real challenges of emergency remote teaching or whatever whatever acronym it For gets sure. called yeah. in different contexts. So that's uh, that's fascinating. Jackie, how about Calgary? What happened in uh, for the students in Calgary. Yeah, well, I think very much the same situation, right? Like we all get thrown into the same uh, same scenario. It's still a matter of trying to connect all the students just instead of connecting through uh, our sites at, at Corbett Hall and here in Calgary, we're doing it through Zoom, right? So it was really nice. It was so, it was so very important to kind of get that exemption so we could do those hands-on skills. That's just something that, you know, in the long run, it would just not be an option, right? We just, I don't think there's, we haven't found a, a, a reasonable solution that we could teach those skills through remote learning, but everything else, you know, seminars, uh, you know, lectures, that sort of thing. I think that was a, you know, reasonably smooth transition for us. Like, uh, like, like we said, just because we have had that exposure in the past, instructors are 
familiar with teaching in, in, to to a screen and 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 working that way. So it's it's and it's things that um, and incorporating things like recorded lectures and recorded uh, demos, things that we have done in the past. Uh, so we already had some of that exposure. So that really helped uh, the, the transition the transition a lot. I think. And how about now on a quote unquote return to normal? Are you are you throwing everything from the last two years out the window and going completely back to to the distributed education model that you established in 2008 or 2012? Or what pieces have you realized over the past few years of, wow, that actually is a really good idea. I'm glad we had that innovation, that forced innovation, fast-tracked innovation. What, what, is, what is the program going to look like moving forward? You can start on this one, Jackie. Yeah, so definitely we've learned a lot over the over the last few years with with the pandemic, and I think there's so much to take away from it and, and lessons learned and ways of just improving our teaching. Like we, I like there's for certain classes we genuinely feel like Zoom is actually a preferred platform, right? Being able to put people into breakout rooms, pull them back in, and um, you know, it, I find that more students. Uh, are willing to participate, whether it's by, you know, unmuting and speaking or using the chat box. And then we fully embrace using that chat box, whether it's for questions, a little bit of banter, a few jokes here and there, it's totally fine. I think it creates a wonderful environment. And as an instructor, you, you really feel like you could, once you kind of get comfortable with it, you can really get a sense of how people are are participating, right? So I think that's something that we want to continue to do to, do to, to some degree. It is tricky, of course, because, you know, you have Zoom, which generally people will do at home, and they'd have to commute back to get to the lab. Uh, or And also, if you're doing Zoom, then the, the instructor immediately after you should probably be doing Zoom. So there are some logistical things to consider, but it's definitely not something we want to abandon, right? Like back when we, you know, like Mark said, we we're using other platforms initially before Zoom became just really, really kind of uh, improved their platform and became very user-friendly. Um, so there were some challenges there, but now that we have this platform that really serves the purpose really well for at least for lecturing and seminars, I don't think we want to walk away from that. I think the other thing is that, you know, recording, recording lectures and recording lab demos, like I said, it's something we've always done, but now we've gotten a lot better at it, right? Whether it's, you know, understanding sound and, and lighting and whatever, and having uh, access to new, new technology and being able to, you know, for some of us uh, be feeling comfortable editing videos and that sort of thing. So I think we're definitely going to incorporate a lot of that. And even before, for some courses, we were already looking at sort of this uh, flipped classroom approach where it's a recorded lecture, you watch that on your own time, and then you come to in-person and then, and then do it, which is kind of similar to what we we're doing during the pandemic. So it just kind of, uh, it kind of made sure that, well, it allowed us to do that a little more of that and really get better at it. But I don't think that's something we want to, that's something we want to continue to do, basically, you know. Yeah, thank you for sharing those those points. Uh, back to you, Mark, for one more question. What advice do you have for instructors across the university, different disciplines who find themselves teaching online, teaching hybrid, course by course, and they don't have the, the support of, a, of a, the framework that you have in the distributed education model? They're just finding themselves either wholly online or in a classroom where some students are in person and some students are Zooming in remotely. Um, what advice do you have for, for our listeners? I think, you know, I think you have to to figure out what works well for the class that you're teaching. I think we all identify the, you know, the objectives for the course or the class and the goals for that course. I think you have to figure out, as we do, uh, what we want to achieve by the end of that class and then develop the learning materials uh, and the class activities that are going to support those learning objectives. So I think we all do that already. 
It's just then trying to figure out which aspects of your course are going to lend themselves well to being recorded versus this is something that I think I should be in person. They don't need me to stand in front of them and lecture on basic facts that they could read in a book or listen on a podcast or on a, on a recorded lecture while they're taking the bus home. Uh, it allows students to sort of maximize their time. But what are the things that I really should be in the room to facilitate the, the concepts that are, are difficult for students or bringing those concepts together in a, in a case or an application to, to industry? Uh, I think is is where we can utilize this technology and these lessons that we've learned, uh, making it work for each of those specific courses. Uh, I think whether it's you know a blended learning where you have asynchronous recorded content and live content in Zoom or in person, um, or a fully online course, I think we can take the technologies and the lessons that we have learned. Um, moving forward to, to improve the, the course delivery. How about you, Jackie? Words of wisdom about online teaching or teaching in a hybrid situation with in-person and remote students attending at the same time? Yeah, I think one of the things uh, that I would say is just, you know, now that we're sort of returned to normal, I think there's that temptation to go right back to what we're doing before. And I think, you know, I think we really should kind of take away the lessons that we have learned over the last few years and in, in kind of being forced into this hybrid model and you know and don't be intimidated to kind of incorporate some of that into the classes and re recognizing as, a, as the expert in your own area that some things are better in person but hey you know what some things might actually work well in a different format that's maybe a little more flexible for students um, and you know I think I would encourage people to just to take the time to kind of take learn some of this technology and take advantage of it and don't be intimidated by it because a lot of it is actually pretty user friendly and throughout the U of A there's lots of knowledgeable people that are willing to help out with that sort of thing like we've kind of reached out to different people to help us along and I think if you because once you get it down you can realize that there's a lot of uh, interesting things out there whether it's um, cool features in Zoom that kind of make the class go a little smoother or you know other other features or other technology you can use to kind of uh, in, enhance that learning experience for students. And it makes it fun for, for, for instructors too. It mixes it up a little bit. Is there anything that you'd like to add to our conversation that I haven't asked you about? Uh, just give it a try, I think. You know, I mean, we've all been forced into it, but I think to, to embrace it, embrace the gray, give it, a, give it a try. If it doesn't work, change it up, try something else. Uh, that I think is definitely something that we've learned in our program. We, we try stuff. It works or it fails. We change it up. We try it again. It's uh, it's worth it in the end. Yeah, and just to add to, to Mark's comment there, we've been we've always been really open to to feedback from students, and you know they're they they live through this. They know technology better than 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 many of us. So getting that feedback from them is also really helpful too. Mark and Jackie, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Teaching Plus. This podcast has been created by the University of Alberta's Centre for Teaching and Learning. You can get more information on any of our services by going to ctl.ualberta.ca.